Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is the Performance People podcast with me, Georgie. And me, Ben. This pod is all about people who know about performance. We're going to speak to some of the biggest performers in sport, entertainment, business, and politics about how they got there and how they stay there. And we'll talk to those closest to them about all the stuff we didn't already know about them. You can listen to performance people in the usual places where you get your podcasts or watch us on YouTube. And don't forget, you can always follow us on our performance people channels. For now, though, here's our latest episode. Joining us on today's Performance People are two people who have crossed over between the worlds of sport and entertainment. Chris Kamara is a footballer, a manager, a pundit and a TV presenter. Cammy, as he's lovingly known, lit up the Soccer Saturday studios on Sky Sports for more than 20 brilliant and unpredictable years. But that all came to an end in 2021 when Chris was diagnosed with an extremely rare disorder which significantly impacted his ability to speak. Alongside Cammy is his friend and colleague Ben Shepherd. They've worked together for over 12 years on various TV projects. They're now podcast co-hosts with their own show, Proper Football, and they've recently made a documentary together about Cammy's condition. This is a performance people partnership full of mutual love, friendship, and respect. Talking to Jeff, my heart was coming out of my chest. It was like... <gasps> I've said this to him on a number of occasions. Cammy on four cylinders, not six, is better than the average person on 12 cylinders. <laughs> I still pray that one day I'm going to wake up and, you know, I can talk like the old me. Before we start, does everyone want to laugh? Yeah, well, so I find myself in a completely different place to where we normally film our Performance People podcast, right? Because normally it's in our kitchen at home, mm-hmm. right? In front of the fire, all very cosy. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but today we're in your manor. So we're in your studio where you film proper football. Yeah. Yes. Just before filming, I take myself off downstairs to the loo. You've got all these glass boxes, which are sort of where other people are working They're not the from. toilets, Georgie. You didn't go to the toilet in one of those <laughs> offices, did you? No, but close. Then what happened was I went to the loo, came out of the loo, and I could see these people in this glass box sort of staring at me in this strange way, and I realised I had done that awful thing. I had left. I had had my skirt hitched into my tights. No. As I walked out of your loo downstairs <laughs> oh. in front of... How many glass boxes are there's there down lot. there? Yeah, there's a lot oh. of... 
cool media Would you types. believe there's a video downstairs? So we'll get that. <laughs> there oh, better fantastic. not be, because yeah. if there is, I'm toast. I'm telling well, you. Cammy does so the same thing, Georgie. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Every week. It's not his dress yeah. that's hitched to the made their afternoon. Uh, trust yeah. me, it wouldn't have done. <laughs> um, guys, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, Cammy, let's let's start with, you know, um, this, this subject of apraxia, which you're going to talk to mm-hmm. us a little bit about, and then we can get into all manner of different things after that. Yeah long day for you today yeah. you've been working pretty hard today you had an interview this morning a mm-hmm. couple of podcasts this afternoon ben and i spoke you know prior to this podcast as to you know how you would feel at the end of a day like that i mean how are how are you feeling how are you um, feeling today okay yeah it's a good speaking day so i'm doing okay it's not tiredness it's the voice you know it's amazing yeah i can get three or four hours kip and be fine the next day, and I can get nine, ten hours kip. Sorry, I've never had nine, <laughs> ten hours kip. But I, I don't can know what get, that looks like yeah, either. <laughs> a good seven hours and be awful, you know. Yeah. Can't talk, the words don't come out right, uh, it's really slow, you know, and so it's soul-destroying, yeah. Mm. So what... Just to give everybody an idea as well of a sort of perspective from life before it and I guess life mm. now, what would a typical day have felt like three or so years ago versus to now? Uh, I never bothered about anything. Ben will tell you. I never did any research or anything. I would just go to mad. anything and then just spill everything out. I the un- or fortunate gift of being able to think on my feet. Mm. And now that's gone. So I'm struggling, you know? I think that, so what, Cammy has this magic where just his energy and his warmth and his charm and his humour mm. is is absolutely captivating. So he could rock up and he could turn up somewhere where we were working or whatever. And his natural inquisitiveness meant that he would ask pertinent questions to guests that we might have had on Goals on Sunday. His humour and his energy and his joy meant that if we were doing Ninja Warrior, it didn't matter that he didn't know what was going on. He would just be completely immersed in the moment. And what's happened is it's it's different in terms mm. of you don't have the confidence to know you can still do that. But he still, this is the thing that I keep trying to impress upon him, he still has that magic. He still has that warmth. He still has that joy. We still want to hear from him. And what he has to say is still just as fun or just as pertinent or just as interesting. But what, from his perspective, I think, I don't want to speak for you, yeah. but I am, from his perspective, it's just his confidence that he can go and do that. So now, yeah. I think I'm right in saying, he actually will make sure he's pre-planned a few things of what he wants to say, what mm-hmm. he's going to say, what he wants to ask, um, rather than just winging it. And he, and he, But it's still... East, you know, you're busier now than you have been anyway yeah. since you've started talking, I am, about, haven't you? But I talk in sound bites rather than long sentences like I used to, and you fill a conversation. Your long right. sentences never made any sense. <laughs> yeah, it's much I know. better now. Well, that was good. <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? Also, I'm just going to do this, mate. Come to it, come here. Do you know also how much people love you? Oh, I mean, I think that's the other bit to all of this. I don't I don't think you fully understand how mm. loved you are. And because you're so loved, you're a national treasure, Cammy. Mm. And because that's the case, everyone wants to support you on this journey. So yeah, I, I hope you sense so a little kind of that. Of you to say, but I hope but you I sense it. I don't feel like that, you know. Uh, ben, I'll tell you, I'm, you know, humble and, you know, 
Uh, I appreciate what you're saying, but, you know. It's not the attention that he wants. Mm. The attention Cammy wants is to entertain people, to mm. keep them laughing, to make sure they're having a good time. He's certainly the last thing. When we've made this, we've made the documentary for ITV. The really key thing when we made the doc was that Cammy doesn't want people to feel sorry for him. He doesn't want people's pity. What you want now is you want to be able to share what he's going through for the people that don't have the opportunity or the platform to do that. I mean, the kids that are, that have any sort of verbal dyspraxia or apraxia or verbal uh, sort of speech conditions to the people who have had an accident and had a stroke and suddenly can't talk or have come across the condition mm -hmm. like Cammy has, seemingly no one can really explain why. It's being able to share the difficulties with funding, the difficulties mm -hmm. with treatment and how important it is that we know about it. I think yeah, the thing yeah. that surprised me was your specialist said that the the diagnosis of apraxia has only been around for 10 years. Mm. So what is it? What fundamentally is it? Uh, basically, is the signal from the brain to the mouth uh, has got confused. So, you know, we all uh, don't think when we speak naturally. You know, if you're talking about a subject, then you think about it. You know, uh, managing to do spontaneous talk it's difficult, so you have to put that into words in your brain first and then try and say it rather than speak it. Um, so it's, you know, neurological, but uh, I've had a, all these sort of scans. I've had a DAT scan, MRI scans, nothing wrong with the brain, but there is something that's triggered... Did they find one? Apraxy. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. did. Would you believe it? No, yeah. I don't. Mm. Cammy, did, it, did the change happen overnight or was it a gradual uh, thing? Not really, no. It, uh, it happened just before the first lockdown, uh, probably three or four months before that. I sensed something wasn't quite right. Mm. And then uh, in lockdown, I, me and Ben did a... Uh, uh, promo. Yeah, pilot it? for a quiz yeah, show. Yeah, pilot. And there were certain words I couldn't say. And I laughed it off knowing uh, that he would laugh as mm. well. And Did you, you pick laughed. up on that? Yeah, well, we were talking about it and there was one particular word that Cammy was really struggling with. So we tried to get him a few times. I said, mate, have you been drinking or something like that? Mm -hmm. And then in the end, we changed it and we just joked about it. And I didn't think anything of it, Georgie, because it was still, you know, we're still chatting away. It's not the first time that Cammy struggled to say something when we've been working <laughs> together. And it's just, it's just who he is. But <clears throat> you knew that it was more yeah. than just a stumble mm. over a word. Yeah. yeah, I kept trying to say it mm. and knew I couldn't say it. My brain wouldn't uh, be able to, right. you know, go through it. Um, so it started from then, but I kept it to myself. And you, you know, said at you... that time it took you to identify and actually do something about it was potentially, you know, that was a critical period, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw uh, the uh, thyroid expert, a fellow called Peter Taylor, because I was diagnosed with uh, underactive thyroid by my GP. Uh, was absolutely superb. Uh, anyway, he said, your thyroid's uh, underactive, you need medication, and eventually, uh, if I'd have got checked out before then, before, you know, going to see my GP, 
if I'd have went 10 months before, mm. I might have saved my thyroid because uh, I live on the medication now. Uh, the thyroid gland is a butterfly gland in your uh, neck and it controls all sorts of things, mainly your emotions. Mm. Uh, and I cry at the top of a hat now, um, basically, because it's not working well. You know, I was on uh, Steph's pack lunch with Steph and we were talking about racism, and I've spoken about racism for donkeys here. You know, I'm not one of those who's let it affect me. And we start talking about an incident you know, when I was playing for Portsmouth, and uh, all of a sudden I'm welling up and she's welling up, and my I got home and my wife said, what's up with you? You've mentioned that story a million times, you know. And I went, oh, it just got me at that moment in time. Mm. Uh, little did we know. Yeah. Mm. So not seeking the help in this sort of time frame obviously had this sort of knock-on effect. Is that Was that part of a COVID lockdown thing that nobody could really see anybody during that time? Or was that just you just no, choosing not no, to? No, cho me choosing not to. Ignored it totally. Um, in during lockdown, we had the best sort of like four months of family life you could ever imagine. My youngest son lives next door with his one kid at the time, Connie. Uh, he's got two now, and my oldest son uh, with his wife Eve. They moved in with us. Uh, and they've got two kids, Sol and Billy, and Sol was three-year-old, and every single day he'd come down the horses uh, with the sheep with me, and we'd be down there for four, five hours till lunchtime, and then we'd go back down again, and he absolutely loved it. So I managed virtually every day not to be around the people mm. who would notice mm. uh, what was different. Yeah. And do you think it was your pride as a sportsman yeah. to say, oh, I must no, I'm get through this? No, I'm that type or... of person, yeah. unfortunately. I'm a dinosaur. You know, I, I wouldn't have gone to the doctors in the first place. I did the one show uh, with Alex Jones and Michael Ball and... Uh, uh, I did the menu for the up-and-coming show, what was happening in the green room. Perfect. I thought, oh, great. Today's a good day. Went on, sat down on the sofa, and Michael Ball said to me, oh, you've got this fantastic album coming up, and you've got the brilliant Roy Wood uh, singing on the album. And I just looked at him, and I... And nothing in my brain, brain fog told yeah. me and mumbled a few words. And then <laughs> I think the director said something in his ear, Michael Paul, and he went, I wish it could be Christmas every day. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah, he's been brilliant, Roy Wood, and this, that, and the other, uh, sang on the top of the album uh, for me. And uh, I got home that night 
And my wife said, there, there's something seriously wrong. Right. Mm. Mm. That must have been a really hard conversation mm. to have because you've actually kept that in for such a long period of time mm. and then finally you've got yeah. to actually address it and talk it, about it with somebody mm. who's, you know, closer than anyone to you. Mm. Yeah, it was hard. But, you know, I had to face up to it. Uh, but... Like I say, we thought we'd found the solution with the underactive thyroid. Yeah, great. Mm. You know, got taken this medication and found my level. And then it, the speech problem was still there. I think one mm. of the things as well that, that you will admit and you're really keen that people take away from you sharing what's going on is if you think you've got something going on, mm. don't be scared of it go and speak to someone about it. Because who knows what might have happened had Cammy acted sooner, had his thyroid yeah. problem diagnosed sooner. We don't know whether the apraxia has come about because of that, whether it's a contributing factor. Mm. But you kept it secret for a long time. Jack, your son, says in the documentary, we just thought Dad was tired because yeah. mm. he's usually right at the heart of everything. We just thought we'd been mm. working loads, so he got really quiet because they didn't question it. And when you went to see the doctor, finally, mm. you told Anne that you were going about your back. So you didn't even want to admit it then that he'd gone. And that's the thing that you're sort of, you know, you, you kick yourself now and you want, mm. uh, you know, I'd, we've talked about it and I'm much more across things that are going on with my life. I talk to my family about it and my friends because the last thing you want is that question of if only, mm. if only I'd done something sooner when you knew. And there's something in your head, isn't there, that's always niggling saying, I should go and talk about this. Yeah. But I think particularly men are pretty rubbish at sort of... You know, I've, I was just about to say, how much does this remind you of my mum? <laughs> she was absolutely pants at doing the same thing, of going and talking about it. Because you don't want to make a fuss. Mm. He is, number one, not making a fuss. Mm. Not making a fuss about anything. I don't want people fussing around me. You, Cammy will say yes to everything rather than tell someone actually how mm. he's feeling. I've argued mm. and had a go at him for years over this. Mm. And because you don't make a fuss and you're not stepping up. And, you know, mm. there's, yeah. there's consequences. For sure. And so you've made a documentary about it, which is amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. Ben, how on earth did that sort of come about? Because obviously you know that Cammy, if he will and is willing to talk about it, is going to, by his very nature, massively impact a whole bunch yeah. of people that have this very issue that want to talk about it and want awareness of it raised. So, so how did that come about? Well, he'd been asked by a number of different production companies, four or five, I think, I had said, can we make a documentary, but you didn't want it. My agent, Simon, did, yeah. yeah. And I said, no way. I'm a, you know, I saw Rob Burroughs' documentary, he's ill, you know, yeah. I'm not ill. Or I am ill, but not in that sense, mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> so so your, Cammy's real concern was people would feel sorry for him, have any pity, doesn't want any of that sort yeah. of sense about it. But I have a production company and we were talking about it and we would, we'd been up in Manchester doing Ninja Warrior and one of the commissioners at ITV saw us doing Ninja Warrior together and saw us together and she suggested, do you think Cammy would let you, if it was your production company, make it? So I, we had a conversation about it. And I think... Maybe you know, only on those terms, right? Uh, because mm. there's an implicit trust, trust that needs to be done when you're making such a personal story and it is really personal and he's sharing really personal information. He... I needed to know that if he wasn't comfortable doing something, he would say, I don't mm. want to do that. Mm. I don't want to share it like that. I don't want it to be told like that. And I know he will tell me that because we've mm. worked together for 12 years now and we're great mates and colleagues, you know, best mates. In so we've been through so much stuff that he would say, Shep, that's not okay. That's not how we're doing it. 
I think if he'd gone with somebody else, he would have let them dictate those things because that's just his nature. Okay, yeah, whatever, that's fine. So he trusted us. So it was a real privilege and a huge responsibility that we could tell this story as it stands because it's only the first chapter of this new part of his life story that that we've been telling. And um, and he's been incredibly courageous. And the, the impact already from the people that you've met and the people that we hear talking about, about the fact that we're talking about these sort of conditions. There's so little provision for it. The NHS is massively under strain, but the opportunity to be able to give kids that have got one of these conditions the support that they need, the speech therapy early, is so vital to help mm -hmm. them because it can improve so dramatically. Absolutely, yeah. 5% of all children who are born have speech and language problems. Yeah. I didn't know no. that. That's massive, you yeah. know. Five percent, that's incredible. And they're let down by the system. So there's nowhere for them to go, mm. you know. Obviously, if you've got money, you can go privately. But, you know, where do you go if your son or daughter has got speech yeah. problems? And you talk about, in the documentary, building a relationship with a young lad, Mikey, and, and reaching out to the local MP and yeah. trying to get that, that message of support out there. Yeah, how did that, how did that flow? Um, really good, yeah. Mikey's an inspiration, oh, young man, man. Mm. yeah. And talking to him, he couldn't talk when he was young, you know, and he's feeling sorry for me because he's built up a language, whereas I've lost... Uh, the ability, not lost, but, you know, not the person I was, you know. So he's feeling sorry for me and I'm going, no, 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 it's the other way around. You know, you know, what you've been doing since the age of 13 is incredible, mm. you know, raising money, raising awareness, and he just needed someone's help, you know. Thankfully, I'm able to do that. Yeah, do you, do you see, do you appreciate your value in this story for other people now, actually, having made the documentary? Because having the public persona that you have and the ability to connect with people, which mm. you really, really can, and the audience base and all that stuff, mm. it can be used now, can't it, in a completely different way. Yeah, you can be so helpful yeah. coming to all these yeah, kids. I know. My wife is like, oh, no, not another cause you're involved in. <laughs> you know, uh, here we go, you know. Uh, but, no, she's only kidding because, yeah, I try to help put as much back as I possibly can. But this is something now that I'm experiencing, so it's slightly different, you know. Uh, I campaign for Marie Curie because my mum was looked after by a Marie Curie nurse in her later days. But this is something that's happening to me and I can see that I can be the difference or try and make a, a difference for all those kids, not just those kids. Uh, people who have had strokes, yeah. people who've been in accidents, people who acquire it later in life like I have, try and get them help, you know, because they're going to the GP or the hospital and they're getting turned away mm. saying, sorry, we can't help you, no funding. And the mm. thing is, I think 
And Ben, you can probably weigh in on this as well, but showing your vulnerability as somebody who has always been completely infallible in that regard, you know, a performance mm -hmm. person, which you are, you know, that type of character. And the minute you sort of reveal a vulnerability, people, whether you like it or not, are with you on that journey. Mm -hmm. They really respond to it. I think they, they yeah. really do like to see people in a, in a different way. And it's I didn't believe that at all. Daniel McDermott, who is my therapist, kept saying to me the whole time, the first day you accept what's going on, you can start healing. And I was saying, no, I can't tell anyone, you know. He went, but they're guessing there's something wrong with it. I said, yeah, let them guess, you know. And uh, I was working for Sky and Jeff was texting me saying, are you okay? And they, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. But no one else at the company was saying anything at all. So I was think limping from one mm. week to the next and hoping that it's okay. And my anxiety <clears throat> went absolutely through the roof. You know, people will say I'm a show off. I suppose I am in a way, but being put in front of a camera has never, ever been a problem. Talking to Jeff, my heart was coming out of my chest. It was like, oh, uh, Jeff's coming, Carly's telling me, 10 seconds, uh, Jeff's coming to you, and I was thinking, oh, God, can I put myself through this every week, you know? So what was the moment where you thought, I've got to come clean about this to uh, everyone? Ben, uh... Ben Shepherd, I'm afraid he's <laughs> responsible uh, for that. But it was the best thing I did, wasn't it? I, the, we were doing the new series of Ninja Warrior was about to be announced and we had Cammy coming on Good Morning Britain to announce it. And you had tweeted on Sky to talk about the fact that thanks for all your messages, I'm just dealing with something at the moment and what it was. But he hadn't actually said something live. But he was going to do this interview live and I know he was very nervous about doing the interview anyway, wasn't sure that he wanted to say anything, so I phoned him up the night before, and we just talked about it. We talked about what the implication of him talking about it might be, how we could do it in a way that he felt comfortable sharing it, um, that, you know, it's not something for him to be scared of. You know, it's something for him to embrace and accept if he can, and then mm -hmm. he can start building from there. All words that his therapist had said to him, yeah. of course. Um, and, you know, I think I managed, well, I know that I managed to persuade you that it would be a good idea. <laughs> and I said to him, so how about, right, we'll do this. I'll ask you this. What would you say? And he talks about what he's going to say. Okay, great. And then I'll ask you that. And we'll leave it at that. Be really short. It doesn't have to be much, but just a little bit. You talk about the condition, what it is, and then we can start talking about Ninja Warrior. And typically, because he's Cammy, yeah. I sort of, we asked him the question and he just started talking. He lit the fuse. He lit the fuse, yes. the floodgates, and it, it was the most amazing it, thing. It was a good day, wasn't it? Yes. So I could actually talk. I was having days where I could hardly talk whatsoever. Someone takes over your voice box mm, and it yeah. sounds like someone else in it. You know, it's crazy. But that, yeah. that moment, though, just going back to it for a sec, that moment where you acknowledged it, you suddenly felt you could talk about it. You were in an environment where we'd talked a little bit. You felt safe. You felt like you could share it. 
what I think was pretty cathartic for you. Mm. And then the impact after that was extraordinary. Mm. You know, that you talked about Georgie, the, the the strength of support and love that you got from people, but it was more than that. It was the medical people reaching out saying, mm. Cammy, what about this? I've got a specialist here. And the the options that suddenly became available mm. because you were talking about it. And that's the thing that I think has become really apparent with Cammy talking about it now, that the options for other people hopefully become available because the more people talk about it, the more interest there is yep. in it, the more interested in it, the more research, the more help, the more opportunity. And I think holding on to the hope that you can get better and you will continue working really, really hard is something mm. that, that you are absolutely embracing, isn't it? Yeah, hopefully. You never know. You know, the part of the brain is the cerebellum. Um, you didn't even know that word before this thing. I That's how far you've I, come. I actually thought it was a woman. <laughs> Cerebellum. There's humour in everything, Cammy. There is somewhere if you look hard good. enough. So good looked, old cerebellum. I looked it up and it didn't say cerebellum. It said cerebrum. <laughs> And when, we, when you were able to talk about Sarah, did that feel like a massive weight lifted from your uh, no, shoulders? No, so I like, yeah. studied it and it's the part of the brain that controls your muscles and your balance mm. and your speech. So mm. not only uh, the speech has gone dodgy, my balance and muscle right. weakness <clears throat> is uh, incredible, you know, not... Not like I was, and yeah. So, can you exercise or anything like that, or as I, I walk? You just walk. Yeah, I still walk as much as I can, um, but uh, no, it's weird. Yeah. Ben, though, let's not underplay your role in all of this because you are such a lovely friendship, you two, and you've been friends forever and a day. Mm. It's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders as well to help Cammy tell his story. And I know that you know and I know that actually when you're when you're explaining to somebody, if if we just go down this line of questioning and, and you know, we talk about it really openly, the response will be good because you can see in the end that's exactly what's going to come of it. But that, that's still a, a big weight for you to bear too when you're talking about it for the first time. Yeah there's huge responsibility you're absolutely right because it's so personal yeah. and I don't want there was no I didn't want to force him into this but what I was very conscious of was that it was noticeable and I didn't want people to be talking about it without understanding what it was because yeah. there is nothing to be ashamed of about it mm. right it is something that's happening to him it's happening to tens of thousands of people around the country millions around the world and it's just a very, it's just what it is. Yeah. So how about we share that? Because who knows who we could help? But starting with him, you know, and it's most important. I think your point, you were asking Ben about when Cammy started talking about it, did it lift a bit of the weight come off his shoulders? I think it yeah, did. Massive. I was watching it happen because he didn't stick to the things that we'd said he was going to stick to. He <laughs> just started off. talking. Yeah. And it was lovely to see because I felt like, there was a bit of acceptance there. I'm sharing it now. Now I can talk about it. And that relief sort of seemingly washed over him. Mm. And I mean, that's that was a huge relief for me as well because yeah. it could have gone the other way. If he'd been having a bad day, that would have been really, yeah. really difficult. Um, mm. And then, you know, what's been fantastic is that we've carried on doing the podcast, which is going from strength to strength, which is a mm. joy because we get to work together. Ninja's been brilliant. And the energy and madness of Ninja can be pretty intimidating mm. as well and can can cause a problem because we're commentating live, but yeah. none of that has stopped him. 
none of it at all. And it, I think it's just, you know, I've said this to him on a number of occasions, Camion four cylinders, not six, is better than the average person on 12 cylinders. <laughs> it's so true. Do you know what I mean? I it's so true. true. But, but, it's you, true. But, you all, but, you, but that's the point though, right? We're all mm. our own biggest critic. Mm. I'm sure, Ben, you've gone through untold mm. things in your career and you've looked at races you've done and people have gone, that was amazing. And you go, no, it wasn't. No, You will be yeah. your biggest critic, particularly physically, emotionally and performance-wise. You will always deconstruct it. But of course, someone from the outside will do their best to say, no, no, let me tell you actually what is being seen. And these two will also be perfectionists, yeah. right? Because that comes with being elite sports no, people. I'm not perfectionist, he'll tell you. But the, <laughs> yeah. but, but the point the, the point of accepting that you're... But, and you, this is naturally because you will look at yourself and say... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I can't do what I used to be able to do the way I want to be able to do it. What I'm saying is even doing what you're doing now is more than enough. It's still really important and it's still something that people are drawn to and want to enjoy. The performance that you deliver now, albeit the sort of performance that you're not happy with, is delighting and surprising and, and mm. um, thrilling people. And I guess, Cammy, that's also all part of this journey and where you are on this journey where you are with the acceptance of this is happening and, you know, where you are with dealing with that and which yeah. and sort of writing one chapter and then to the next, which might be helping these kids mm -hmm. and, and whatever that brings. So I guess I, it's whether you're accepting of where yeah, you're at right now. I still pray that one day I'm going to wake up and, you know, I can talk like the old me back, you know, 300 mile an hour, say stuff that, you know, it's crazy. You shouldn't have said that. He said to me a million times, you can't say that on TV. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I can. Too late. Yeah. Uh, but we still got yeah. that. I mean, we still had that on Ninja. We still, when we're, when we're broadcasting live, we're commentating, there were still moments where I'm looking at you going, but you know. That's a different part of the brain. The commentator side of the brain is still fine, you know. So Harry Kane to... Uh, Jordan Henderson to so-and-so, that's speeded up. Or a Scottish accent. Oh, hello, it's Cammy here. I can talk <laughs> as quick as anybody else. That's you Spanish, know? that's not Scottish. What are you yeah. doing? So, so that part of the brain is fine. Yeah, it's the other part that's me is not mm. fine, yeah. which is so weird. Can you fix it? Is it fixable? Uh, or is it a maintenance thing? No, I'm trying to fix it. I have microcurrents going through my body uh, seven hours a day. That's that green. That's <laughs> a prison tag. Line. It is exactly yeah, that. It's tag. My yeah. asball, yeah. About time you got one of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do sing performance exercises. 
uh, which are for stroke victims to help them with their muscle weakening and balance. Um, I take loads of vitamins every single day. Um, you do the oxygen chamber stuff, don't you? Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, hyperbaric oxygen tent at least once a week. Um, yeah, so. Does that take you back to your days as a nipper growing up training and, you know, so that commitment to the yeah, right the treatment? Yeah, the mindset, the mindset. Yeah, yeah, sort of, you know. Um, I have uh, this doctor in Oregon in America who keeps suggesting I have do this or do that, get on a certain diet and... Uh, I think, oh, crikey, I'm working that day, you know, so how can I do it? My wife's saying, oh, your health's more important. Yeah, but how can I do it when I'm away, eat that sort of, you know, food and stuff? So in the new year, I'm going to start on that. I I wanted to ask Ben, because you're clearly a really compassionate person and it's wonderful to see that how much you guys care for one another but you know who do you lean on if you're having a bad day or something's not right do you have a support network there um i well i, I can certainly lean on cammy and i have done in the past an awful lot you know um his experience and his life and his in the, and the world that he's existed in has been hugely important over the years certainly when we were on goals on sunday there were periods when things were really really difficult and you know his his experience as a, a football manager. I can, there was one particular occasion when I wasn't feeling great and I just remember it now. I can still remember it vividly and we were just leaving the studio and he just put his arm around me and he just walked along and he just said something like, you know, you're really, really good at this. You make this show so much. And it was just simple as that. Mm. Mm. And then he said, right, should we go and get a pint? And it was as simple as that and it was all I needed was that sort of reassurance. So colleagues around me occasionally, if it's professional, um, personally I've got, you know, like Cammy, I've got, uh, a wife that I've been with for too long from her perspective. And, up with you. Yeah, <laughs> two brilliant boys and my my family as well. And I guess that that's, that's where I go to if I'm really, really struggling. The other thing I do, which I massively need, is exercise. Mm. If, I'm, if I'm struggling mentally or I'm struggling mm. with something, it's, I, it's because I need to get in the gym, I need to get on a bike, I need to go for a run, I need to row, get on a rowing machine and do something just completely lose myself. That's my meditation. I have a very active mind, probably a bit ADHD, just in terms of trying to focus on anything, a million things going on at once, I find it very hard to stay, sort of get any sort of breathing space. So the only time I can really do that and escape is is through exercise. Yeah, it's a great way, isn't it, to yeah. clear the mind yeah. a bit. Ben, you mentioned it there and you've alluded to it before. You've talked about this thing of sort of almost having this sort of imposter syndrome thing mm. of not feeling good enough. Where on earth does that come from? You've been on telly now for as long as I can remember. We worked together on telly, you know, a long, long, long time ago. Before you were on telly, George Thompson. <laughs> exactly. Before that you knew what very, the offside rule was. That was like 10 years ago or something like that, mm, wasn't it? If only it was 10 yeah, years ago. sadly not. Um, but... You know, you you know, you've held positions in in a live TV environment, which I think we can all say is probably yeah. the testiest of all of them yeah. for a very long time. So, why on earth would you feel that you didn't belong there? I think that it's the innate sense that I have to constantly want to improve, to constantly question. I never ever want to get complacent. I feel like complacency is the death of ambition. 
And I've always feel like I need to stay pushing myself. So I'd constantly question whether what I'd done was good enough. Uh, could it have been better? Are we going down the right route? Where am I missing something? What else could I be doing? Um, and that's what drives me, really. That's why I would. That's why I would question whether I'm doing the right thing because I hate the idea of sort of turning up and just assuming all of this is where I should be, because I feel like I, that won't bring out the best in me. And I think the what I love doing, what I love being able to do, is bring out the best in other people. Yeah. So a friend of mine said to Annie a while ago, didn't know Annie particularly well, so what's Ben good at for some reason? And she said he's good at three things. <laughs> <clears throat> he's good at he's good at television. He's good at delegating, and he's good at putting out the bins. They, <laughs> they were the three things. But the the middle one is, I think, one of the things that I think is is really pertinent because actually, what I'm aware of is what I do well, what I can do well, and there are things that I'm really rubbish at. Mm. So I'm going to make sure that the people that do are doing those within the world I'm working are people that are going to help me do what I do better. And you'll know that, Ben, in the teams that you and the, and the, and the yachts and the sailing that you've done, you want, there are things that you're brilliant at, but you're not going to be as good as the person who has to do that job. So you want the best person doing that Absolutely. job because they will help you do your job better. Absolutely. And I think Annie has seen me do that. She'll go, right, we've got to do this, this, and this, and this. Okay, I'll do that. And I'll immediately go, right, I'm going to get someone to do that who I know is really good at that. And she gets really nice, can't you do it? And I said, well, there's no point me doing it because I will absolutely cock it up. But if I ask somebody else to do it... Oh, that's a good pass. But that's if I ask somebody pass. else to do it, everyone's going to be happy. If I do it, no one's going to be happy. Right, what do you think you're not good at? Me? <laughs> God, too many things. I mean, I, I mean, I. You are I, also good at putting out the bins. That's true. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not actually because I've forgotten. Oh, no, you're I forgot. not. You've forgotten Sunday, Sunday night. Yeah. You're right. yeah. So, not that good at that either. Um, but hey ho. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I think that's absolutely right. Talk, you know, Ben, you're talking about sort of feeling. Well, I think if you're if you're preparing for something, whether it's doing a show or in my a race in my world. You still need to feel those sort of butterflies a little bit, don't you? You feel a, a, a level of anxiousness that, you know, you know that you've got to really perform yeah. and try and always improve. I think the moment you think, get complacent, like you say, and you think everything's fine, that's that you, you're probably on the backward step. I've done a job in the past, and I I can remember it to this day, and it was quite an exciting job, um, and it was it wasn't on television, but it was a, it was I was hosting a premiere for a big film in the West End, and I can remember just turning up because that's all they told me to do. It was no preparation needed, just turning up, hosting this thing, and then I had to do the Royal lineup. And my voiceover was being piped into the auditorium so the people watching could watch it. But this Royal lineup went on and on and on and on. And I didn't have enough information about the people that were being spoken oh, to. I didn't know who they awesome, were, I didn't yeah. know what was going on, and I was having to commentate on this. And I remember walking away from that job thinking, I will never let myself mm. get into that mm. position again. I'd relied on too many people I didn't know. I hadn't known enough about what I was going to have to do, but I was the one that sounded like I was in the wrong place. I shouldn't be doing the job. And it was the most horrendous yeah, feeling, walking sure. away thinking, what on earth have I done? Never let myself get in that situation again. Yeah. I had that at Sky Sports News with Jim White. We went on air for an afternoon shift and Greece had just won the Euros and they took live pictures at Panathinaikos Airport of the Greece team arriving back home to a hero's welcome. Well, bugger me if the pair of us didn't know enough Any, of the players yeah, 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 yeah. to go, to go you know, yeah, through. So -so, Probably yeah. it was sort of like Prez Adlib. Mm. Two hours 30 later, we were still doing the same shtick and it was 
as you say, Ben, you suddenly find yourself in a unplanned live TV, mm. whatever environment. It is. You suddenly think, "Crikey, I really have let myself down here." It's a, mm. you know, it, it doesn't feel great when you're mm. in that moment, and you just got to get through it. And we have we had a, had a good laugh about it since subsequently, but I mean, it must have seemed like a complete car crash at mm. the time. I think I, you know. I, I would imagine that it probably wasn't half as bad as I thought it was, but in my head, it was awful. And that's, you know, it's a bit like Camille saying now, you know, in mm. terms of how he perceives what's happening and how we see it. But the reality is you just don't want to find yourself in that situation. So I'll always try and make sure that I'm pre as prepared as I can be and surrounded by people that I trust and that I know if I'm struggling a little bit, I can lean on them to pick up the ball, particularly <laughs> if you're live. And when you, you know, talk about people you work with and so on, I mean, in the sports um, context, you know, our team, we have a very firm no dickhead policy, if we refer to it. Probably might have to bleep that out. But, you know, that that sort of balance between people that are really super talented but can't work within a team and actually finding the people that you can work with and work off. Mm. How, do, how do you, as you go through these different uh, opportunities and work work colleagues, how do, you, how do you balance that? For me, it's easy. I lean on Ben. You know, <laughs> ben easy. manages it. Yeah. So another work, thing you're good at. Yeah, working with him at Sky, and then Ninja Warrior, and now with the podcast, I know the safest pair of vans in the world can think on his feet, uh, never gets caught out, uh, never flustered, never gets angry. The nicest man in the world, I have to say, uh, always got uh, the right answer. Always tells me, well, we're doing goals on Sunday. You can't say that. You mustn't do that. You're the other political correctness gone mad. But, <laughs> and I just say, ah, oh, it's all right. I can say it. Yeah, not while I'm on the show with you. You can't. <laughs> yeah. So someone that doesn't have... Here's a segue. Ben's going to appreciate this. Someone who doesn't have sort of this imposter syndrome thing that we're talking about is Ronaldo, right? Mm. He is not that guy. So we're going to segue into football and have a bit of a football chat. Um, what do you do about a player like Ronaldo at this point in his career? He obviously gave that, you know, headline-making interview to Piers Morgan. Mm -hmm. um, lots of people have lots of opinions on it. What's yours? Uh, well, he did that interview to get out of Manu, you know, simple as that. Uh, you thought he would have got out before this season started, uh, but that didn't happen. Uh, and once he carried on, he wasn't happy with the managers they brought in. And to be fair, he's not the player of old, you know. If he'd have gone to Man City like he was uh, proposed to, he would have scored 40-odd goals last season uh, with that service in the box. He would He's a, one of the best finishers ever. But in a Man United side, that has to work hard now to try and get results. They're not the team of old. Uh, he's found it difficult. So he needed to find a, a way out, like it or load it, he did it through a journalist, uh, Piers, and I would have said, if I was his agent, don't do it. Let me speak to the club 
and you'll lose your legendary status mm. at the club by doing it that way. But he's obviously headstrong and decided, no, this is it, and there was no way back for him after that. Cammy, you've been like a player coach manager. What do you do with a star player? I mean, Ben just alluded to that. It's sort of like this team ethos of sort of just a great team spirit, and we've seen mm -hmm. plenty of that in the World Cup. It's a great team spirit versus your star turn, mm -hmm. who, you know, there is going to be a certain amount of drama that comes in association with that person. I mean, how do you, how do you deal with a personality like that? Well, no player is bigger than the club. That's the thing. You know, as much as you like to think, you know, or players do, that they're so important, the manager can't leave them out or whatever, it's not the case, you know. The uh, the fans are there for 60-odd years, 70-odd years. Yeah, those players are there five, ten years max, you know, so they're disposable. Um I just think uh, he knew he could go and earn loads of money in Saudi Arabia and not have to run around, uh, stand up front. He's at the end of his career. End of, yeah. Mm. Mm. What if he went to West Ham, Ben? <laughs> Would you want him? Yeah, well, he wouldn't go to West Ham, would he? Because I think yeah. he's, you know, I think he can't afford it. It's interesting. No. It's interesting because I think what Cammy had said when it happened was, I don't blame him for having those conversations, but yeah. just have those conversations behind closed doors. Yeah. Um, but he's done it because that's how he's comfortable, and he turned up at the World Cup and seemingly very unaffected by it. Scores his goal, mm. and and, and then, then I, gets but, left on the yeah, bench. Yeah, and I think that that's a sort of a bit of a. A moment, isn't it, for him and the realization that suddenly he's as important as he he has been for Portugal. He's no longer mm. their talisman um, as it once was. So it's a big sort of moment in his career mm. to suddenly understand. Yeah, the thing that fascinated me observing that final match Portugal played, they lost, and his response yeah. was to just march off the pitch. Mm. And if you think he's the captain of the team and the most senior person on that team. Yeah. actually at that moment should be supporting the younger players and, you know, helping them because they're, they're the future. But Yeah, or that, going to the opposition. Exactly. You know, he would have done himself the exactly. world of good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I've not been there in a World Cup game, but disappointment, you know, that could have been the major factor. So you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Mm. Well, on the other side of that, mm. you could say the England team, despite the disappointment. I mean, how well have they handled themselves mm. at this World Cup? It feels like we've got a really young squad, yeah. young team, and yet they're real grown-ups. Yeah. We were cheated, you know, <laughs> honestly. I've never, ref. I've never seen anything like it, yeah, not at all. You, you would think there was a conspiracy, but the underlying factor was if Harry's got the penalty, we go on to win. Mm. So there couldn't have been a conspiracy. It just seemed that way. A lot of focus on referees at the World Cup, of course. I'm not sure the refereeing universally has been that brilliant, the standard mm -hmm. of it. Regardless of what happened on the day from a refereeing perspective, whether you believe or not, 
I'm incredibly proud of the England team. And like you, Georgie, I just see a really exciting squad of young players. Um, you know, we came up against a French team that are more wily in those sort of circumstances. We played brilliantly. We probably had enough chances to win it compared to their chances, but they took the important ones that mattered, sadly. Huge respect for Harry Kane stepping up and taking that penalty. Um, I don't doubt for a minute he will relive that over and 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 over forever. Um, what might have happened, but he was willing to stand there and do it. We had Mark Noble on the podcast, didn't we? And, and of course, you might remember that last season, Mark Noble was subbed on in added time to take a penalty to equalise with Manchester United. He's West Ham's penalty taker. David Moyes turns around and says, Mark, do you want the penalty? Mark says, yes. He stepped up and he missed it. There was a lot of controversy about whether mm -hmm. he should have done that. He hadn't been on the pitch. He hadn't kicked the ball. He went on and took the penalty. And he was really struggling with it afterwards. But his wife just lay in bed and said, Mark, can you imagine if the manager had turned around and said, do you want to take the penalty? And you'd have said no. You'd have never forgiven yourself because mm. that's not the person you are. You always stand up and take responsibility. And it was not what he wanted. Of course, he wanted to score the penalty, but he still took that responsibility mm. on. And that was something that he measures his own standards by, as Harry Kane did. And Harry Kane will be, you know, devastated oh, yeah. like we all are. No one will be more devastated what, than Harry Kane. One of the things I think is really interesting is that the, the despite going out in that fashion, um, there's been almost no negativity towards Harry Kane with, you know, in regards to that penalty, which feels yeah. like a seismic change from the Euros. Yeah. where there was criticism yeah, of right. those guys yeah. that didn't get the penalties, um, which I think is either the media have decided that, you know, th this is, this is you know, there's no reason not to back these guys because they behave really brilliantly on and off the pitch. Was it the media the that gave the penalty people in the Euros a hard time? Know. Or was it the... <clears throat> was it the fans? fans. I don't, I, you know, I, th I hope there's been a big shift because the way everyone behaved or the, or the, the vitriol that was angled at those yeah, young lads was absolutely disgraceful yeah. and after the pride that we had in how well we played to get to the final the shame mm. the next day was really tangible was awful um and i think it's very different i'd like to think it's you know because our players just done a brilliant job they've been led by an amazing sort of leader that has given them confidence to go and be who mm. they are whatever anybody thinks about gareth southgate no, he's I just love gareth a fantastic southgate. He's, a, mm. he, he's just i just think he's led them really really well and he's not swayed by all the stuff or the noise is he around a world cup or the euros he sort of makes his own decisions decides mm. what he's going to do plays the team he wants to play and doesn't well, seem to get led by media or fan base or journalists or anything. yeah he had a lot of criticism didn't he you know in six months Previously, build up yeah. and you know just stuck to his guns and yeah. stayed consistent i i think consistency is a big thing in, in sport life business isn't it it's is he going to stay yes good my belief, he will say. Yeah. And we've come to expect under Southgate, again, which tells you a great deal, doesn't mm. it, about where we are? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think he'll stay. Um, I think the FA would look around who would be the ideal replacement, and I don't think there is anyone. Yeah. About, what about the people's manager? Chris Kamara. Time for a comeback. Yeah, <laughs> God. Don't ask Stoke fans that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, can we talk about world records? You've got some. I, I, Guinness I world have records. had in the past. What, no, sure. no, 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 no. What, what were they? Come on. Can uh, you even remember? I had um, the, uh, the tossing record, world record. <laughs> Well, let's let no 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 let's let's go a little deeper than that. 
I did. Pancakes. <laughs> 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 it's getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> I had the pancakes. world record for the most pancakes tossed in a minute. You did, yeah. yeah. What else? 120 tosses, Cam. Right. It was beaten the next day by Aldo Zilli, though. He did 122. Of course he did. Much oh, quicker did. on the wrist. Um, I The highest reverse bungee. Yeah. I was flung to twice the height of Nelson's column. Uh, <laughs> lost that the next day as well, I think, or a few days later, to the Hoff. David Hasselhoff stole that one from me. Slightly embarrassing. Yeah. Mm. Smashing Pumpkins. I think I've still got the Smashing Pumpkins smashing world pumpkins. record. Where did these come Brilliant. from? The Why? most pumpkin smashed. Was it part smashed. of the TV show you were doing, or was it just because yeah. you love a Guinness <laughs> world record? No, it was, it was. I did the Pumpkins one on this morning, and it was me, Chris Evans, Peter Andre, and someone else. <laughs> And I smashed 12, and I think they smashed three between them, which just yeah. tells you how competitive I, are, I am. I actually hit my... We had a hammer to do it. I actually hit myself in the head with the hammer. <laughs> I finished with blood pool. <laughs> I was reading as well that you've run something crazy, like 14 marathons in the last 10 years. What are you running from? What's no, going on? Yeah, uh, fear. Uh, I have I've run about 14 or 15 marathons over the years I've not run for a couple of years I can't really do a marathon anymore because my back's Mm. knackered but we did five marathons in five days two years running for to raise some money for the children's heart unit fund at the Freeman for a really good friend of mine whose son had open heart surgery there and we raised some money which they've got this a fabulous playroom in Seb's name now and he's just been back as a 13 year old to have more open heart surgery and got to use the playroom which is an amazing facility Mm -hmm. for these kids because if you've got a heart problem you're on the ward for you can be on the ward for a year and a half so anything that makes their life as normal as possible so they can be plugged into their machines and get their treatment while they're playing on a playstation or even running around in the in the playground outside in Mm -hmm. a little car or whatever pedal car with their brothers and sisters is incredible Mm -hmm. so that's how we ended up doing quite so many. Yeah, Cammy, this is going to seem really frivolous off the back of what Ben's just said, but do you remember our Jaffa cake challenge that we did for Soccer AM? <laughs> I do, yeah. We had to have something like how many in a minute yeah. or something? We had to, yeah, yeah. we raced against each other. I think you beat me on that one, which I I think we're both probably very competitive. Did we that get got any Guinness Book of Records? <laughs> I don't think it got that far. No, <laughs> didn't quite gobble enough, Cam. Yeah. I think three and five didn't quite cut it as far as a world record goes. The secret is to get a record that's not been done before, Yeah, which I think most of mine were at the time, Yeah, and then no no one can beat you. Because Haven't you it's the first got time. one for something? You must have one But his will be a proper like one. Like, the person no. that's been on the boat the most or something. Mm. I actually remember I came on a show you were doing in New York, and oh, I think yes, you, you had the North American beer-holding yeah, champion. Yeah, the beer-holding champion. And I seem to, maybe my memory is, I think I did. You did. So oh, I'm going to claim, yeah. what's beer-holding? So I was hosting a show for Fox yeah. in New York with Regis Philbin, who at oh, the yes. time was sort of our equivalent. That. I suppose we would think about Bruce Forsyth as a similar sort of yeah. equivalent in, on British Regis television. Regis and Kathy Lee. Re- exactly. Well, I was his sort of, you know, the, the step-in for Kathy Georgie Lee or whatever for, for, yeah. for this podcast, for this um, show we were doing for Fox. And we had the most random guest list. It was filmed in Chelsea Piers in New York. And it's just this sort of like never ending circus of American sports stars and, you know, people that you'd know, that you'd know, household names. But yeah, one (laughs) of them was the beer holding champion, you're right, of the world. And you actually smashed through on the show his record. So you have the really did undermine those, you know, listening. You've got a straight arm it and you've got a jug of large jug of of ale. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's your time out. How long are you hold it for? Spot the Brit. He was fine. I like, think it was like a f- 
three or four minutes. I can't yeah. remember off memory. Yeah. And you embarrassed him I'm, in his I'm own sure backyard. I, I love that, Ben. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have That's been why cheating. you're a knight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they made yeah. you a knight of the realm. Yeah. Yeah. So upholding the it. British tradition. Have you got? But have you not got a record for sailing around the Isle of Wight or something? That's the, the quickest version of a thing. I think. I think we might still hold a record. There's a race, famous yacht race called the Transpac Race, which is from LA to Hawaii. Okay. Which is uh, sounds glamorous. Yeah, three thousand mm. odd miles, something like that. It is because it's everyone thinks oh it's an ocean race, three thousand miles, but it's downwind in the trade winds, and wow. it's and it's so it's perfect. So you just Glamour, put your feet beautiful up. sailing, Aww. yeah. And I think we did it in five, just over five days, and I think that might still be a record. He knows wow. it is. He's playing it down, <laughs> but he knows like it that. is. Yeah. Should we Ben's try that thinking, one right, hang yeah, on a second. Thinking, yeah. I can, I'll I can get a little dinghy. A little. Well, we'll take it on. We'll get a boat. We'll Let's get, do it. Design something new. <laughs> yes. Get in under five Done. days. If he can't Stop. do a marathon, he's going to do a boat race with you <laughs> yeah. now. Okay. Beware the person that takes that on. So bearing in mind, this is called a Performance People podcast. What mm-hmm. I want from each of you is a performance tip that somebody can apply in their regular everyday lives to just performing that little bit better, that edge. My... What's something that drives me when I'm doing live television, the thing I'm scared of is not knowing where I'm going. Mm. I'm sure that's probably quite important to sailing as well. But I, or particularly when you're live, and I always say to this all the time, it's Cammy all the time when we're live, because if everything goes wrong, as long as I know where we're going, I can throw to that. And I think that's something that I, as a principle that I put in a lot mm. of sort of, of, of my way going forward is just understand where you're going. What is the point of what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve? And if you can see that end goal, then you can plot the route to it to make sure you get there because if all this starts failing or you start struggling just remind yourself of of where you're going because that's a really sort of that's a really good way of grounding you in in the reality of what you're doing to help you take those little steps Mm. to get there that's what I mm. needed when I was commentating over yeah. the Panathinaikos team. I couldn't think of anybody's <laughs> yeah. name. I needed to know where I was going. Yeah. Cammy, what about you? Well, I would say when I left the comfort world of football to be a presenter, I learned how to edit my pieces. So I would go to a football club. Uh, you can imagine these days I'd go to Bolton, who were in the Premier League. I went everywhere, Nottingham Forest when uh, Big Ron was the manager. All these clubs on a Thursday when training's important and I play five-a-side with these players and I thought, do people really respect that I've moved into telly? So what I'm going to do is edit my pieces. Little did I know the first time I did it, a three-minute piece would take about five hours, (laughs) you know, but I stuck at it until Ian Condren, the producer, said, look, we'll edit your pieces back in Sky from now on. So I knew I'd been accepted then. So my advice to everyone is if you do a new career, learn everything from the bottom up. I think that is the best bit of advice we've ever had. I completely subscribe to that. Mm. Yeah. Got to be comfortable with making the teas. Haven't you? Yeah. I used to make your tea the whole time. Really badly, I seem to remember. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that's the worst thing. (laughs) Got to do it. Or not the worst thing. The most of the runners, when I first started working at Sky, 
are in some sort of management role now, treat them like you would anybody else. Mm. That's a, another tip, because you never know <laughs> when they're going to take over and be your boss. How true. Yeah. yeah. Don't ask someone to do something you wouldn't be willing to do yourself as well. Yeah. Very good, gentlemen. Excellent. Okay, great. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, look, that was a fascinating chat. I think the thing for me that really stuck out was Cammy knowing he had an issue, but the time it took for him to really yeah. have, feel comfortable to step forwards and, you know, potentially in that time losing his thyroid. And I'm sure a lot of people can can compare themselves to being in that situation, having the courage to step forward. Yeah, I mean, how many people will relate to that, especially during COVID and lockdown? There'd be a ton of people out there that didn't seek help when they thought they probably should have done. Mm. And, you know, that may have consequences. So I'm sure that's going to resonate with a really, really broad audience. And the other thing that came out of it for me is what great friends they are, which is yeah. a lovely takeaway because there is a, it's not a codependency, it's just a super supportive relationship. Yeah, I think, you know, clearly love one, one another and a lot of compassion there, which is wonderful to see. Yeah, thank you for watching and or listening. This has been Performance People. We are Georgie and Ben Ainsley. And remember, from what we've learned today, remember to treat others the way that you would wish to be treated. And always remember, you've got to put the work in from the ground up. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.